What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Dostromsky. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringer NBA show. It's the answer. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined as always by Sirit Sohi. What's up, Sirit? Chris, how's it going? Well, it's going great. We're we're quickly approaching the All-Star game, or at least the All-Star voting, which I think you've heard probably on our podcast network. A lot of people have been doing their All-Star teams, so we wanted to try and switch it up a little bit different. We're actually, at this point, I think a little bit for most of the teams past the midway point in the season. So it's time to start thinking about the home stretch here. I'm always looking forward. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what makes me the politician that I am is I can keep my eyes on the sunset coming. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the second half of the season and ask you a couple of questions. And we'll put this all under the umbrella of would you be shocked? So would you be shocked if any of these things happen? And we'll talk about each one of them. This is just a way for us to talk about the second half of the season. How's your NBA week been, by the way? It's been fun. It's been fun. I've been working on an Aiden profile. So, you know, it's in those successive moments of just like, sometimes it feels great. Sometimes I feel like a genius. And then other times <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. But it's been a fun NBA week. Speaking of him, he is not playing right now, but the Suns played. They yesterday. did play. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They played the Mavericks. And, you know, I like watching that game, I was like, man, like they really miss him at first right then biombo rises though yeah yeah yo that first half it's just like all luca um he hits that buzzer beater after a steal which follows up a layup it's luca magic you know the Mavs fans it's loud it's fun and then like you know the suns just kind of do what the suns do where like they they've they make great adjustments in the second half. Uh, Biombo comes alive. He stops giving up every possible lob that he can. And you know, Chris Paul just had a great game. So it was fun. What a great segue because that brings me to my first would you be shocked. 
Would you be shocked if the Phoenix Suns cruise to the NBA championship? You know, it's it's the West, right? So I would be shocked at cruising, right? But I wouldn't be surprised if they made the finals again. Mm -hmm. Um, Warriors-Suns is the single most intriguing matchup of the season to me. It's kind of like an upgraded version of Warriors-Rockets where... Like you have you have Chris Paul and then you have like the the superstar scorer wing next to him, but instead of a bunch of kind of honestly like aging role players who are looking to win titles, veterans, uh, they have a lot of young guys who have continued to like they just kind of they kind of keep getting better. Um, you know, Aiton's a lot better this season. McHale's gotten a lot better. Like they've they've found this sort of perfect we talked about the hawks last week right and the Mm -hmm. hawks kind of failed at this where they weren't they haven't been or not failed i guess like you know we can we are going to revisit that team i'm curious to see how they do but right now they're really struggling to strike a balance between development and winning and the suns kind of hit the sweet spot with that and the warriors are similar in a way too but i think for them it's more their role players that you know kind of have the the potential I guess to to continue to kind of grow in those roles whereas like with the Suns I just kind of like I don't know I feel I feel like they're better this year they're a little bit more versatile you know they're they're a little bit more well balanced on offense and I don't know like I can't tell what the temperature is on taking this team seriously I think that there's a little bit of they got some lucky breaks getting to the finals but this year have done everything that you could possibly ask them to do to prove that they belong there. Now, when I say cruise, I don't even know what I mean by cruise. It's been a while since we've seen a team like maybe the Durant Warriors, who I think just kind of like headlocked the league. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just like, well, you might as well get into golf because like this is, this is nothing's going to happen as long as these guys stay healthy. And that was the case until until Durant and Thompson went down against the Raptors. You know, when I watched the Suns last night, the thing that was so impressive was the single game internal switch flipping where they just decided at a certain point that Doncic and Brunson were not going to get into their offense. Like they were not going to be able to get into any kind of set. They weren't going to be able to have like an easy pick and roll at the top of the key to then find shooters and bridges and Paul just like made life hell on the, on the Mavericks. Now you could say that might have to do with the Mavericks could use some more size and playmaking on the perimeter. I don't really, we can get into the Mavs in a second, but I was so impressed by the sun's, like clearly just knowing exactly when the Dallas was vulnerable and taking over the game, you know, and it wasn't like a blowout by any means, but I thought especially the, the the turnover battle and the Suns getting 19 turnovers off of Dallas was, was incredibly impressive since Dallas has just been running through the league and they were at home and the Suns had been on a road trip. I was just like, wow, this is, this is just like an old school, like, we're better than you performance in the fourth quarter, especially. Yeah, when you combine the sort of like the defensive versatility on that team between Chris Paul, who was, who was, who got, who got, uh, Christoph Sprzingis to take like the wildest turnaround, yeah, uh, bank, <laughs> banker that like, you know, just hit the black backboard and, and then, uh, ricocheted to the other side of the rim. That's not a matchup advantage. I feel like everybody should know at this point, especially if you're KP, right? Like, Chris Paul's going to bump you off your spot in the post. Doesn't matter how big you are. Unless you're like Jokic, you know, just like, just don't, just don't do it. It's not, it's not going to be good. But, you know, you have, you have that versatility, um, you know, Mikhail Cam, obviously. And then you have like really just, you know, dynamic, like they have a really good coaching staff and Mm -hmm. like they're able to, they're able to just kind of 
make adjustments on the fly. And I, that's obviously, you know, it's a cliche, but I think it's like sort of the thing that every every team kind of aspires to be able to do, right? Like that's what you need to be able to do in the playoffs, which is kind of like why I, I would be really curious to see how seven-game series against uh, against the Warriors goes because the Warriors are kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're built in a similar vein and they're also very dynamic. They can make changes on the fly as well. We've seen them do it in the past. Because um, I, th- I think it would be a really great chess match. And, you know, I think the other thing is that they've kind of, they kind of just feel angry, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Like they, they've, had, they've had the failure season, right? Like they've had the season... It's not, you know, they went all the way to the NBA Finals, but I feel like they came out of it pretty angry, but also kind of like, hey, we went to the NBA Finals. The only people who didn't think Phoenix going to the Finals was like a sweet story was Phoenix. Like they <laughs> yeah. were like, it's not just like a participation trophy for us. We want to go back. And that was through the league too, you know? Like I, I remember at that time, like there were a lot of people in the league that just felt like the Suns got really, really lucky, which was strange to me because I think on the other end of it, like... The really obvious example of a team that got lucky was the Bucks with like with the the, the the Nets injuries and everything. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I disagreed with that at the time. Um, I just feel like they're a playoff team. Like they are they are built for oh, it. Oh for like sure. They, they have they have incredible shot makers. They're really well balanced. The cool thing about them going to the finals is like it actually winds up being what like say a Utah who I think we're going to talk about later mm-hmm. too hasn't gotten a chance to do to prove that like they're not just a regular season team they like phoenix getting to the finals whether it was some lucky breaks or whether it was because they actually like just took care of anybody all, all competitors they had like this experience of going up and playing in front of like hostile crowds in in late into an nba finals like and they take that with them and they seem this is the one of the few teams in the league that so far even without ayton has seemed like kind of unperturbed by all the circumstances that are affecting other teams, the COVID absences, any debilitating injuries that knock them out for a period of time. I mean, obviously the Warriors are kind of struggling without Draymond right now. So it's just kind of been fascinating. It's like, I, it's almost like don't spook the pitcher when he's throwing a no hitter. Like I don't even want to talk about injuries with the Suns because I just, for Chris Paul's sake, want his hamstrings to hold up. But right now it's just like, Man, I just expect them to win every game they play. Yeah, that fourth quarter against Luca was kind of a perfect example of that. Like he'd been destroying them all game, and then you know that la- the last five minutes or so, like he didn't he he didn't really take any shots. Like they took him completely out of the offense, and you know Dallas has some issues that they need to figure out. But you know it feels like they have the defensive personnel that eventually they can deal with almost any problem, any problem outside of Giannis Antetokounmpo, really, because. They also, like, you know, Kurt Curry is a guy that they've done a pretty good job on, too. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think I think this guy is kind of the limit for them. So you would not be shocked at all. They are currently 35-9. and nine. They're 18-4 and four on the road, which I really like. And they have the best net running in the league. I mean, they are putting up the, the numbers to prove the, the talk. Another factor in last night's game, you know, he's just recently kind of gotten hot after some absences with uh, was the ankle and COVID is Luka, you know. And uh, I feel... I was really excited. I hadn't watched Luca in a minute, and I, I know that he's been on a, hot, uh, a heater recently. There is like a collective, I think, desire in the NBA community to see this guy become like the next fit face of the league, you know, for a variety of reasons. How shocked would you be if Luca Doncic lifts the NBA MVP trophy at the end of the year? I really like this one. So, yeah, the Mavs are 9 and 2 uh, since he's been back, uh, and he's been incredible. 
Like he's 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 like you said, he's been on a heater. There was last night before they kind of shut him down, 41 against Toronto, multiple triple doubles. I think Luca's also just like he's kind of the type of guy where he, if he hasn't played in a while, I think he's going to be really excited to get out there too. Like it feels like he's having a lot of fun. Um and he's always having a lot of fun, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I think there's like this this push to make him one of the faces, right? Like I think him him in a mainstream audience uh really really you know that'd be fun you know that'd be fun so i can see i could see the the narrative starting to be pushed have you see it starting to be pushed it's weird because like obviously i'm coming from a a very specific bubble where the Embiid mvp talk is very strong um so if you look at my timeline this is like a race of one person but i think you can make really a strong like analytics and and eye test arguments for Jokic, even though the Nuggets are struggling, it's like they're they're still in the playoff race with literally like one player. You know, like he is he's carrying this team to fifth in the West, and that's no joke when you look at like some of the teams that are below Denver. Just a casual forty nine point triple double. Yeah, I mean, like on a nightly basis, is I mean, I think Jokic is probably the best player in the league right now, considering what he's got around him. But I honestly think. If they keep going the way they are, like there needs to be probably like some serious consideration of Chris Paul because of of like almost like a sustained campaign of two seasons, an NBA Finals visit, and what they're doing this year. Uh, even though there's no like, I don't think you can make a statistical argument for it. I think you could make like an impact argument for it. I love that we're doing like the Chris Paul made the Suns thing again. I love it. Like we're right back there. He's like yeah, he actually uh, he's he's kind of I think he's creeping up on some people's MVP ladders for sure. But I think you're right. I think there is something to be said of like that level of impact that goes beyond what you see on the court, especially with the success of the Suns and like you said, like the way that they have been able to kind of just skirt some of the issues that have plagued other teams this year um you know they have they have obviously like the sarver investigation is going on and they've kind of been able to they've been able to weather that they were able to weather like you know like covid last year and still kind of became like a pretty connected team i think you 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 definitely you make a point there but i was thinking about this because like i don't know i definitely want to give chris paul his flowers like that's been kind of the season that i'm having but it's hard like that team is so well balanced and he's not the only player that does like the you know the workman everyday you know things that are required to keep the ship running right like or you know sailing or whatever but he's he's definitely a big part of that and image wise like he is kind of you know because of who he was in the past kind of taken over on that and, and and gotten most most of the credit but you know like there's obviously you know Monty's gotten a ton of credit too their coaching staff book as well I mean like he's not he's not dissimilar to CP3 and habits and, and, and discipline and wanting things mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of stay in order. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that Paul's impact on that team is, you know, immeasurable. But at the same time, they have so many great players. that It's tough for me to kind of give him the MVP, especially when like, you know, I think I think Book's probably the best player on that team. So which way are you leaning then? With MVP? With MVP, yeah. With MVP in general, but like... Right now, I've got I've got Jokic number one. Um, I, I think just like the way that he plays and the amount of injuries that they've had. This kind of goes back to last year. It's the same story of why I thought he should have won last year. It's just that he can... He has a style of, of play on offense that can adapt to any situation and can kind of like allow other players to plug and play a lot more easily it's it's kind of like it, i don't know it's like is it like a reverse ewing theory like where as long as Jokic is there anybody else who comes anyone else <laughs> like w- will barton like can can kind of spell michael porter jr who could kind of spell jamal murray although not really but you know jamal was the one like obviously they, they really miss jamal and they and 
but at the, at the end of the day like I, th- I think it's just that ability to keep the same system in order as well that makes it so much easier for 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 the nuggets as well like we're going to talk about the lakers a little bit later but one thing that i was thinking about them is just like the volatility of building around a player like Russell Westbrook just just really, you know, it, it kind of hamstrings your decision making because you have to make predictions about who and what he'll be in the future. And like you just never really have to do that with Jokic, right? Like he is kind of consistently always going to, you know, he's always going to space the floor. He's always going to be good for like, you know, getting getting double digit assists, finding open cutters, like, you know, creating layups and stuff like that in and of itself to me especially with like the amount of turnover of the last two years just makes him even more valuable than than usual i guess can i just ask you a like a slightly trolly question though absolutely let's say like uh the nuggets get the six seed or maybe the seven and they lose in the first round what differentiates Jokic's season from the Westbrook MVP season that everybody seems to regret? You know what? I would say expectations, probably. Sure. Okay. Ma- and and maybe expectations have kind of changed. Like expectations changed for the Nuggets multiple times because of injury. So I think it'd be hard to look at kind of you know their their preseason expectations. But at the same time, I think like when with all of the injuries that they've had, like I don't think anybody really expected them to even stay afloat a lot of the times, and they have. Whereas that Westbrook season, they either I don't remember this now, but they either ended up winning or ended up tied with what the what Vegas had them as. They were oh so, real okay. They were yeah like we kind of created this false narrative that this team was never supposed to make the playoffs after KD left. They were a championship contender. They took the Warriors to seven games. You know, like, they, they were a really good team. And I, th- I don't think he made them better, also. That is probably the biggest difference, right? Like, Jokic doesn't even need to touch the ball that much to make his teammates better. And I think that's also really valuable in in an NBA where I think, you know, just being able to relinquish the ball and let other players touch it is really valuable. I think that's what makes Steph so valuable too because you just need to have a lot of talent now to win championships and you need to find a way to make it all fit together. And like Jokic is like, you know, he's like a mold of clay that also just like shits gold everywhere, you know? Like you can kind of just do whatever. <laughs> you know? And it's going to be good, right? If there was a movie of Jokic, I hope he's a mold of clay that shits gold is the is the poster quote. Speaking of making things fit together, this is something that's been plaguing Daryl Morey for the last couple of months obviously, and he just and, came out. And also you. Yeah, and me. And he's been he, Daryl came out this week and and did a, one of his it's been a while, but one of his periodic State of the Unions about the Sixers, but largely Ben Simmons and the, and the state of the trade market. He talked to 97.5, a radio station in Philadelphia, and it was a typically expansive yet cryptic interview. Like, Daryl mm-hmm. will give these very long answers, and then at the end, you're just kind of like, so you don't know or you're not going to say. So I'll just give you two of the main quotes that I thought were of note, um, and I'll ask you. Before my- you do, I love that ra- uh, that radio, like local radio, has just become Maury's like, number one form of communication. <laughs> it's his preferred platform. Yeah. Uh, this is quoting Daryl. If you trade one of these great players for multiple players, and I think that he's referring to this idea of you know Ben Simmons for you know three pretty good players rather than a top 30 player so if you played if you trade one of these great players for multiple players it does not move your championship odds enough to make a difference it might take us from where we're at now to a little bit better but it's very slightly better and we want to for joel 
We have to make sure we get this right and that we move ourselves into a higher tier of ability to win the championship and not just nudge ourselves from having the seventh best chance to maybe the sixth best chance in the league. So I thought that that was a really like clear statement of intent, of principles, and of like the tenets of like what he's trying to follow when he goes through the process of looking for a Ben Simmons and possibly a Tobias Harris destination since that has also come up. Yeah, and then he says the opposite thing. The second quote, which I think was, I just, is notable is, I 100% believe he, meaning Ben Simmons, can play for us again and he'd be literally almost the perfect player we could have to pair with Joel Embiid. It doesn't even take that difficult a look to say our defense goes from the best in the league to average. That's a massive part of the game and Joel and Ben together always put together an elite defense. That is so important for playoff basketball. Our rebounding has gone from 10th to near the bottom of the league. The only difference between last year's team and this one is Ben Simmons. Yo, let's keep pumping that lineup data, that Joel Simmons two-man, that starting lineup, offensive rating, defensive rating. Let's go, let's go, Daryl. Let's play the hits. I love it. So would you be shocked if Ben Simmons wears a Sixers uniform in a game this season? No. No, I wouldn't. So I actually thought I thought the quote that you were gonna say is the other the other thing he said, and I think this was also to um, I, I read it. So yeah, this it, is it, all this is all in the in the uh, in the ninety seven point five. Okay, I don't know if this is, but I think it is. But he said, I do think with how great Joel is, our line has moved down a little bit because Joel has lifted us into contention by his sheer will of greatness this year. Which, by the way, like way to sneak in some some MVP pedaling for your guy really smart um that and then he says that does push the number of deals that we would do more likely if that makes any sense and i think that was important because i we've talked about this before too but like when you talk about the math of this like he's always kind of said what he said uh what you what, what you quoted him as saying where he's not going to make a move that doesn't move the needle for championship contention that's always been his thing he wants superstars he doesn't want stars he wants superstars right like that's the other side of it is like how, how can you afford to waste Joel's prime? Like there's a mathematical equation of that too, where like a great player, you know, you don't know how many years that they're, that they're going to have of being completely at their peak. So it's interesting. I feel like it's strange that all of the, the GMs are kind of just saying what's on their mind. Like we talked about Travis Schlink last, last right. week and it's, it makes things a little bit more confusing because this is completely logical, but at the same time, I just can't believe anything that is said publicly. <laughs> So it makes it a little tough. I do feel like NBA G- GMs are getting prolonged exposure to podcasting and mm. it's making them like more candid. Even though they're not necessarily giving these statements on pods, I feel like they just like sit there and they're like li- listening to like like Rogan or something and they're like, I got to be honest, I got to make some make some stuff happen on the blogs, man. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's like it's like David Griffin when he like he's he spent he spends a couple years in the media and then he gets to the Pelicans and he just starts saying too many things like yo <laughs> wrong Mike wrong Mike dude so I think with with Simmons playing right now is actually the perfect sweet spot for him to to play I think that they would have to get past the trade deadline I think that they would they would have to be like see we tried look like he has not made a public statement it's come through Rich it's come through shams through rich it that's about the extent of what we know about where ben simmons's head is at right now Mm -hmm. in his interview maury was like we've talked and we've even made some had some conversations directly with ben he's no closer to playing than he was when he made this decision but like the fact that we're talking is a foundation for talking so it was it was like there's some light at the end of the tunnel but it's also pretty dark 
once the trade deadline passes, and if if Daryl, let's say, is just bringing these deals, then saying like, look, I'm not going to trade you for Timberwolves bench players, you know what I mean, or whatever it is. And it, once he kind of keeps bringing these deals forward, if in fact he's doing that, maybe at the after the All Star break, Ben Simmons has like a change of heart, or is like, I need to redeem some value, or like, you know, I'm not going to take an entire year of my career off, or I simply want to get paid, or whatever, all all of those things that that come into play, and he comes back. Whether he comes back and he's like the same player he was last year for better or for worse, I don't know. He just got engaged a little while ago. He's already got his ring. I think I think Simmons is probably a little less concerned with playing. Did you just say he just got his ring? Yeah. Yeah. He just he's about to hoist the real Larry O'Brien. Exactly. That's love. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I would like to like kind of like speak directly to to both parties here. Um because I I think we're all kind of we're all a little bit sick of this, right? Right. This is a really good sweet spot for Ben Simmons to play some games. There's, I think, nine or ten games until the trade deadline. And right now, if he plays, like, I think that's a long enough time for him to get back into rhythm. February 8th, they play the Suns. That'd be, like, the last game before the trade deadline. I say what Simmons should do is sh- he should suit up for, like, for those nine games prior. And he should say, hey, look, I'm here. I'm upping my trade value. February 8th, that morning, start acting really weird. Start acting super weird. Just, like, put the pressure on. Like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to play today. And then just maybe maybe, maybe ghost. Maybe ghost. <laughs> and just see what kind of pressure that puts on Philly. But it also helps Philly, too. Because once he once he shows he can play, like, you know, the, the, the value they can get on some of these offers is actually pretty close. And you also only have, have to have him play for, like nine games like you know if you're thinking about your champ like your your culture and winning a championship like you don't have to drag like if he plays after the trade deadline and maybe if he wants to like if, if it turns into a thing where he stays then great right like if he comes back and they figure things out um nobody knows how it's gonna happen assuming that doesn't happen I think right now just like suck it up and play come back um everybody act like we're best friends <laughs> It's a good time. It's a good time, and it's and it's 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 19 days until the deadline. Like two weeks. That's not too long. And honestly, like I think it could kind of be like one of those things where like they haven't actually seen each other for so long. Like Joel and Ben could like that's long enough for them to actually kind of like like playing together again, but like not too long that they're like, oh yeah, I remember why I didn't like this. You know. <laughs> this episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month. 
just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Nissan. Level up your next four-wheeled adventure with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, built to navigate you to some of Earth's most awe-inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. This one, I'm trying to figure out exactly how I want to phrase it. So let me let me work on it in on the fly. But it's essentially whether or not, like, if we're calling it away, away Kyrie, you know, capital A, like that, this version mm-hmm. of him that only plays in away games. Would you be shocked if away Kyrie is not enough for the wet, the Nets to win the conference, even with Durant coming back? If Durant's back, then I think you can get away with having Kyrie for three or four games in a series, depending on if they have home court advantage. You think they can beat the Bucks that way? If they have Kyrie for for those games, yeah, I think I think they're. When healthy, in that series, too, when the Nets were healthy, they were a better team than the Bucs. That said, I think the Bucs are better this year, too. So, you know, I don't, I like, I still think it'd be a very close series. Um, but that gives them a little bit of an edge because those guys actually fit together, too, right? Like, they don't necessarily need to do, like, the, the Lakers thing, thing of, like, needing to get reps so they can figure out how these guys who don't space the floor uh, can fit together. Like, the, the Nets are seamless, you know? They kind of just, they can kind of just play five out and, and go in transition and just kind of have fun together, honestly, when they are, when they are all playing together. So, I, I think... I think it could, but I don't know. Like it's, it would be, it would still be tough, right? Like we've never seen anything like this happen. And I also like it. Kind of brings up this question I wanted to ask you too. Like, if you're if you're the Nets, what do you prefer in a series? Do you want one extra game of Kyrie, or do you want one extra game at home? What's your answer? I think it's Kyrie. Yeah, right. I don't really get the impression that it's like Fortress Barkley's and like we are unbeatable while while we're in Brooklyn. Right. Like it kind of adds like a chill aspect to the rest of the regular season for them too. Like they definitely do need to like figure out a lot of stuff because of their injuries. Like they don't really like their role player rotation around the big three is kind of an issue. And then to, like it's, it's erratic. Yeah. 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 And now now <laughs> Paul Millsap is is uh you know they've kind of mutually agreed to find a role that allows him to contribute more. Um, so, you know, just another another one of, like, the the many kind of defender role player rollers that they have is, uh, is going to be out. So I have questions, but I would not be shocked. I think it's, I think it'd be pretty 50-50. I also kind of wonder, too, as NBA games start to matter more a little bit down the stretch here, and maybe if, you know, we get, like, a more vibrant live atmosphere in certain places, like whether or not it gets a little bit more uh, antagonistic towards Kyrie in opposing gyms. I don't know if you saw, like they were fucking with him in Cleveland and he got a little bit defensive. I mean, he was, I also thought what he thought, what he said was pretty funny where some guys were just like, Oh, don't you need LeBron? Like you need LeBron. And like, he just turned to the guy and was just like, I won you a championship and you're not fucking grateful, you know? Like, and it, he has a point, you know, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that I do wonder whether or not, like, it's just going to get like a little bit as you get into the playoffs and as you get into like the, the close of the season, like opposing arenas being the only experience Kyrie has of basketball might be like a little bit antagonistic. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. That could be fun for Kyrie as well. I, I have to say, I prefer Kyle Kuzma's response to Cavs fans when they told him like you only you only won a title because of LeBron. He's on the like this was this year they were playing the Wizards. He's just turned around. And he was like, um, 
pot kettle guys he was basically just like yeah me uh you too but yeah i mean he's the single most polarizing player in the nba i don't think it's actually particularly close yeah it could get it could get that way i think Kyrie seems to like that though I don't think it's something that he would particularly mind. Although I'm sure I'm sure he would love to play against a home crowd and everything. I think everybody would. But I think like Kyrie might be the, the type of guy that could you know, do you do you think it could kind of give him fuel? Do you think like that sustained sort of like never playing at home feeling? If he was gonna change his mind about honestly getting vaccinated, I think he would have done it when Durant got hurt and would have been like, This we obviously need some help and I will change my yeah. mind. And he's I think he's not going to change his yeah. mind. So this is gonna be the way it is until vax mandates are are repealed and i don't think that that's going to happen in a lot of the cities that he's in new york city frankly um they haven't done it yet so we can stay in the east and i wanted to ask you a question that uh was one of the bummers of the week which is that lonzo is going to miss i believe four to six weeks with surgery on his slightly torn meniscus i think for as much as DeRozan is clearly an all-star and is like on the outside looking in of mvp talk lonzo has been maybe the most essential bull like i think he just makes that whole thing work in a, in a really profound way both in his defense and his playmaking he is one of my favorite passers of the ball i just find that even when it's not the flashy pass it's the pass that hits the shooter like in stride right in his bread basket right where he needs it you know what i mean like the 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 passing he has and the way he finds guys who are open and even has that old school point guard of like, let me get this guy going. Let me get this guy going, like making sure everybody eats. I don't think that they're going to fall apart by it in any any means. But I was curious whether you thought Lonzo's injury dragged the Bulls down. And would you be shocked if they got dragged all the way down into the play-in? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you about his his impact. The, the thing about the East is that the... First place is not that far from seventh place right now. Yeah, yeah. Right like right now, the Wizards at eighth are only six games back from the Bulls. But at the same time, like that's still six games and, and I think the Bulls are still a playoff team, um, without Lonzo, right? Sure. Oh, I think they're great. Yeah. I think it would be a pretty steep fall. And they're also their strength of schedule isn't too tough, uh, when, when he's out too, so I think it could kind of save him a little bit as well. But I think you're right, though. Like, you know, if we want to talk about Lonzo's impact on the team, it's just like, you know, they they run in transition. They are incredibly well-balanced. They their, their perimeter defense is really good. That's the reason that they've been able to stay afloat. But, you know, I think a lot of people thought that their defense would be a lot worse than it than it is but you had you know Caruso who's also he's he's been out and Lonzo is kind of like the the head of the snake preventing just like the the regular kind of um you know just the penetration that that you know I think I think most defenses are kind of just that that is how they they play defenses they assume penetration will happen they go from there and I think with the Bulls they kind of rely on on Lonzo and Caruso and they get some steals and they also just like have the rest of their guys play pretty conservative and that a lot like the defense at the top is what allows them to do that so I think I'm really like I'm I'm curious to see what their defense looks like without him like that that does concern me but it doesn't concern me enough to think that they're gonna go from like first to eighth by any means like this team still has like they're, they're going to have to get some guys back, but like they just have so much scoring. And I think now we'll kind of maybe we'll now we'll see that sort of like floundering, like has to they have to be hot every night type of team to score. But like you've got enough talent on that team that like they'll stay afloat, I think, for that that period of time. I would be shocked if this drags them into the play and because I think that they've weathered absences throughout the season. This is one of the teams that's had the most like up and down roster stuff with COVID with injuries. 
They lost Pat Williams, obviously. They've without Caruso for a while. I think that they're used to the next man up stuff, you know, to the extent that you believe it. Is the next man up like on the level of Lonzo? No, but I think that they'll be able to patch it together until he comes back. It's just if he comes back and he's kind of in the same zone that he was for the first half of the season because it's been such a thrill to watch him. Yeah, I wouldn't be pissed at more like, you know, Javante Green as well, right? Like it's it's fine. For sure. (laughs) Let me burn through a couple more of these. Would you be shocked if the Lakers don't make the playoffs? Lakers are yeah. in eighth currently. They're twenty two and twenty three. Mm-hmm. They're five and five in their last ten. Everybody's everybody knows what we're dealing with right now. We and and you know like I I thought that the Pacers beating the Warriors last night was actually like good for the Lakers, <laughs> but it was still like that Lakers Pacers game. I thought was almost. I I really did think that that Vogel was going to get fired after that. You know, or that they were going to trade Russ for like one Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, changes seem to be, you know, coming. I would still be pretty surprised if they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Anthony Davis is coming back. Uh, Vogel also, you know, like in the midst of all these rumors, finally kind of did the thing of, of, of benching Russell Westbrook. Now, I'd be curious to see where things go from here. There's a lot of people sort of pushing him to kind of, you know, d- go the LeBron route, the Carmelo route, and, and make some change. Actually, uh, KOC had a, had a great video about that this morning for The Void. Uh, he kind of did a Lakers deep dive. So we don't have to get into all of, like, the logis- logistics, but I think, you know, it's kind of either Westbrook's going to have to come off the bench. The big three, I feel like, kind of need to be staggered around shooters, like two of those guys, and and three shooters could work. And the closer Vogel gets to that, like I think the better for, you know, his job security obviously, but I don't know, so much of it is really just like like I said earlier, Russ's volatility, like will he will he come off the bench or like will he take reduced minutes? Will he stop shooting threes? Like will he kind of do like the thing he did around this time with uh, with Houston actually of, you know, just becoming a driver and stuff. Like he's shown he has shown the willingness to adjust in that moment. Um, then he kind of reverted back. So he is just such a big question mark. And then I think the thing becomes like if Westbrook doesn't change, then he has one of the more untradeable contracts. And it's just it's easier to get rid of a coach than it is to to get rid of the player, right? That's ultimately my other question about the Lakers is would you be shocked if Frank Vogel was still coaching the Lakers at the end of the season? It's not out of the question for uh, LeBron teams to change horses midstream. And the only thing I would say is that A, Vogel won a championship with the Lakers, so there might be some sort of deference towards him, at least letting him finish out the season. And B, I don't know who comes in that's like does a better job than Frank Vogel. I don't know that there's like an obvious fix that a new coach with a different system, like I don't even know. And also to be completely frank, I don't know that you could pry Kenny Atkinson from like the Warriors bench to give one example of a coach that could be a candidate. Like what if Kenny Atkinson's like, I want to finish out the season with Golden State and win an NBA title? Yeah, he's already had the experience with the Nets. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, like do you think he really wants to go into this cauldron of shit with the Lakers and be like, great, you know, like th- I'm overseeing LeBron's Twilight and this Russ meltdown when I could be playing like sitting next to Steve Kerr and helping like Draymond, Clay, Steph Kaminga, you know, and Andrew Wiggins won a title. Yeah, but the thing is, somebody will, right? Like, there's like, there's only For thirty sure. of those jobs. Like, that's kind of the thing with it, right? Yeah, it's not a bad one. It's the Lakers. Like, it doesn't yeah, open. Yeah, it's very the Lakers. Often. It's yeah, LeBron. Right. You still have like a, you still have a, a shot at a title, right? So I, I think like you know they would have, but I do, I do think yes, yeah, so there would be some, certain coaches that I think might be wary. But at the same time, it's like 
you know, it's not like the Lakers, like, through all of this have been, like, a dramatic disaster or anything off the court. Like, not not as of late, right? Like, the problems have been coming on the court. But, you know, it, it, LeBron kind of came out, was, was pretty supportive of Vogel and that he just didn't, like, he, he felt as, a, like, you know, he just didn't want to answer the questions about his job security in a way that was, you know, he seemed a little angry. He seemed a little defiant, right? He seemed a little like, I'm, I'm not, you know, you're not going to get me to do that, mm-hmm. essentially. And maybe that was just his, his read. But, you know, I think, I think it's still a pretty, pretty attractive job. But like you said, man, like, there are some things that Vogel could definitely do better, right? Like, I think he, he's, he's too in love with, with having, you know, size down low, size over spacing, especially, but he's changed that. You know, we got LeBron at center. Um, he's he's now benched Westbrook. Like, he's trying stuff. And then, like, like Lakers have, have had so much turnover this year. Like, played a bunch of different lineups. So, I mean, I don't know. As long as as long as he still has a locker room, which is not, like, not nothing, by the way. Like, For that's sure. the other thing you have to consider. If you get rid of Vogel, you got to figure out somebody who can come in and actually, you know, command that locker room in the midst of, like, what is not turmoil yet, but it's kind of, like, near turmoil. And it's certainly basketball turmoil in a certain way. Um, but I don't know that you can just, like, find, like, who would you, if, if, if the Lakers were to, were, to, were to get rid of Vogel, like, honestly, first of all, I don't even think Kenny Atkinson would be a good choice for that job. Um, like, who do you think would, would be the person to hire i I have no idea there's there's the usual suspects a lot of them are like kind of media adjacent like like mark jackson or jeff van gundy or somebody like that but i i don't know who a quick fix is here like i I can't imagine who would be like i'm the steady hand that can come in and fix this all right so yeah i think vogel probably finishes out the season and i think the lakers do at least make it into a play-in game i mean once with davis back you would just have to assume that that like that alone kind of like writes the ship but it's it would also require a lot of like pretty bad West Western Conference teams to get a lot better in the second half of the season to to pull the Lakers out of it. Let's end with this last one on the Western Conference. Would you be shocked if this is the Jazz's year? So would you be shocked if this was Utah's year to kind of shake off the playoff motion sickness and actually find themselves either in a conference finals or even an NBA finals? Yeah, the Jazz are in like this really weird moment right now. You know, they've been compared to the Bucks of last year by you know by a lot of smart basketball people like i think charks wrote something about that on, on the ringer uh you know jj reddick has been saying it on his pod um and i think it's a pretty good comparison in some ways in that like you know the the narrative side of it where like this is a team that flamed out last year and now as a result we're going to completely ignore them um and the fact that they only made like kind of subtle changes and they believe that i mean actually like that's 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 not really fair to the the, the season that the, the off season that the bucks had to to get those guys but we weren't appropriately crediting for them for how different they were from the season before even in that regular season you know i think we kind of just ignored it and i think that's kind of happening with with them to an extent but they still have some of the same problems as last year like i still think that they could really use like that that wing defender and maybe they can make some stuff happen at the deadline i'm sure they'll certainly be like involved right like that'll be a big part of it like do you get in on like the the jeremy grant thing is there is there even is there like there's definitely a trade market for for, for sure. jeremy grant i don't know that i don't know that there's like a seller yeah. though really necessarily so i'm really curious about them and i because like i actually just don't really know what to make of them right now because right now also like you know uh did you see kind of like the back and forth between uh mitchell and and gobert i did but for our listeners explain it so gobert did an interview where he talked about i actually think what he said was reasonably innocuous does rudy gobert have podcast brain too (laughs) 
everybody has podcast brain everyone's just saying you know what like i th- I think we're all kind of in a moment of we just say things and i think there's a little less like you know like people aren't really trying to be trying to be perfect anymore out- outwardly in 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 public which is actually just probably a good thing but anyway so gobert was doing this interview and he was talking about how the Jazz aren't really like on the Warriors and Suns level in terms of their defensive consistency and their habits. I would argue he's right. You know, it's why this team inspires so many questions. But the thing that got kind of like blown up was that he complimented Booker's defensive intensity, which I guess like to people felt like a shot at Donovan Mitchell, <laughs> which seems like a stretch. Until Donovan's asked about it, and he's basically just like stone faced and like, hey, yeah, I guess you know we all we all want to get this, make this team better. I guess this is his way of doing it. It wasn't like he was like, guys, come on. Like he was, he was kind of on the other right. side of it, just being like, I oh, okay, oh, that's cool. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Right. exactly 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 which is kind of like it's like okay all right then that means that there's probably something there then which i mean we know that there's something there from from years but so at this point would you be shocked if, if they if, if i told you the jazz are going to the finals would i be shocked this is the only question that i put out there so i didn't even actually think about whether i think i asked it because i just don't know you're shocked i'll tell you shocked? i would i would be yeah i would be i would be and i wouldn't be surprised if they with the, all the changes that have been made in the front office with Danny Ainge coming in, oh yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if this also led to some sort of restructuring of that team, whether that's Quinn Snyder, cough, cough, Lakers, or whether that's Ooh. breaking up the Donovan-Rudy duo, or whether there's other guys around the periphery of those guys that they, they try to move in and out. But yeah. I don't think that Danny Ainge came in to just like kind of watch the shop. He came in to probably like make them a little bit more volatile. Yeah, you know? yeah that's, that's a good point. Dealer Danny. It's it's funny actually to see see the Jazz and so many more trade rumors now that connection. Exactly, because da- Danny Danny Ainge is original podcast brain. <laughs> He truly is. Yes, yes. We can wrap it up there. For Sirit, this is Chris. We were produced by Chris Sutton. Thanks for listening to The Answer. We'll be back next Friday. You can listen to tons of NBA stuff on The Ringer NBA show, on Bill's show, on Rosillo's show, on Mismatch feed. Got you covered all week, and we will see you next Friday.